0: The host of this show, Max Naist, lived in addiction for years and made lots of destructive choices, which resulted in losing friends, family, and his career. After being in jail for the fourth time, he knew he needed to make some big changes. Now, sober for 17 years, he shares the steps he took, which led to recovery and got his life back. Welcome. Max and his guests share experience, strength, hope and faith. If it's PTSD or military related, trauma, physical, verbal, sexual addiction, alcoholism, you can accomplish your dreams. And with this show, we help others be fearless in their pursuit of happiness. This is Fearless Happiness and this is Max Naist.
1: Welcome to the Fearless Happiness Podcast. We have a wonderful guest with us today she is going to be amazing i just know it i've gotten to know her through facebook through our group called apex and you know, as you have noticed, everybody that a lot of my interviews lately have been from this network because they're just amazing people who have known both sides of the coin, as they say, or both ends of the spectrum. They've gone through challenges, have learned how to overcome their challenges, and now are doing what they love to do. So, with no further ado, Dr. Nicole, you introduce yourself, please, and let the uh, audience know who you are and what you do.
2: Sure. Hi, Max. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> um, I'm excited too. So- I am uh, Nicole Coyle, and I am a spiritual counselor, um, a trauma and recovery therapist, and I own an integrative therapy center in Mesa, Arizona, where we teach alternative and holistic techniques for people to gain healing on all levels, mind, body, and spirit. That's what I'm doing today.
1: Well, that's awesome. And I'm glad you mentioned that because like over the years, and I have to admit, I was stubborn in the beginning, right? So when I first became a substance abuse counselor, you know, coming from the 12-step background, which don't get me wrong, I'm very grateful. It's my foundation. It's helped me get to where I am today, right? With this September coming up, I'll have 18 years clean and sober. (laughs) But I was one of those guys, I have to admit, were like, if you don't go to meetings, you're not going to stay sober and blah, 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 right? And people would look at me cross-eyed like, that's not the only way because I was so on fire for what saved my life, right? And I got it, right? And it was part of the process. But as I've grown as a human being and in my recovery and have even done what the big book has says, there's parts in the book that say, you know, look outside to religion or to see where they're right, which which I have learned and which I think has helped me grow as a human being. And that's why I approach my clients nowadays, right? Because in the beginning, it was, you will go to meetings, you will do the 12 steps or, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And they would fight me, like, I don't want to do, you know, I, I don't like it. I Then I'd always ask them, well, have you done it? And they would go, no. And then how do you know you don't like it or that, that doesn't work? But now I, I'm like you, like you said, you know, even though that's my foundation, I always tell them, let's work on mind, body, spirit. That way they don't hear, oh, he's going to send me to a 12-step meeting, right? I let them come up with whatever that is going to look like for them. Whether if it is 12 steps, then yes, I will hold you accountable. You said you wanted to go to meetings, so you're going right? to go to meetings you're going to go do the Buddhist 12 steps, then you're going to go to that, you know, or you're going to do smart recovery or whatever. So let the audience know, like, give them a little bit. If you don't mind, you can go as deep as you want. You can go, however, let them know what has happened in your life. Cause you said something to me that, that I'm sure will catch their attention. You're a trauma therapist, right?
2: Absolutely. So um, yes, I am a trauma um, and what I call a recovery therapist and uh, and from a spiritual aspect. So I've kind of made my life out of spiritual recovery. And like you said, everything has a trauma behind it, right? The the substance, no matter what it is in in the addiction, is just the device used to numb the emotions behind the addiction, right? And so the the emotions are a byproduct of a trauma or an experience that left them feeling feeling less than, less than worthy, less than loved. And so that's the root cause. And so the substance, doesn't matter what you decide to partake in, is really just the, it's a symptom of the actual trauma that happened, right? It's a way to cope. It's a way to numb so that you don't feel, so that you don't have to do the exploration because it might be ugly and it might be painful. And so I kind of got into this field out of necessity. I had a, at a very young age, well, uh, 17, like in high school, I had some sexual trauma happen to me. And so unfortunately, I was kind of this obstinate, very self-sufficient, very hyper-independent young person. And I didn't tell anybody. I took it upon myself to figure out how to take care of it. And so this will be the, if my parents watch this podcast, it'll be the first time they hear this. But- <laughs> because I'm 50 now. And um, (laughs) but um, yeah, so I just kind of like started seeking out ways to get help for that. So it didn't sit in me. The longer it went like undealt with, the worse I felt. And I ended up getting very, very depressed. You know, I struggled with depression um, at a young age. But when I was in <laughs> high school after that, I fell into deep depression in college and, you know, had to seek out ways to deal with that without telling my family to, you know, you come from a family where unfortunately back then mental health was st- very stigmatic, right? Like there was, we don't mm. go to therapists, right? Like, right. They, that means there's something wrong with us you know or there's something wrong with the family and it was such an odd kind of opinion to have about something that most people struggle with i mean I don't know a person anymore that hasn't struggled with depression or knows somebody who has. And so to treat it in such a way that it's um, taboo or shameful kind of um, really pissed me off back in the day. (laughs) Oh, I can
1: imagine. I know what you're what you're talking about. You know, like to give you a little bit example, same thing, like coming from an Asian background, like I'm Dutch, Indonesian. Right. And and working in mental health and working with the Asian population. And you could see like the older generation, if a young person was talking about them feeling depressed, you could just see the look. It was like for them, it was doing that fingers on a chalkboard. Like, no, you -hmm. don't do that. So I like you. We didn't talk about it in my family either, but I'll let you go because I did. I know that anger you're talking about. It's like, hey, I feel like I want to die. And yet you don't want to talk about it. Like, wait a minute, what's going on here?
2: Yeah, like I'm in the darkest place and nobody wants to hear Do you know what I mean? Nobody wants to reach out because we don't go there. We just put everything under the rug and pretend it's all fine and happy, you know? And then we trip over the elephant in the room like every day, you know? But yeah, so it just led me down a few paths. Uh, It started my spiritual path very, very early, about 21. I ended up going to a a workshop with a gentleman named John O'Donohue, who was a Catholic Irish (laughs) ex-priest... (laughs) scholar in like mystery, um, like um, spiritual mystery, right? So I went to a workshop with him and he talked openly about his own depression and growing up in the West of Ireland and being dark and dreary and then him finding his own darkness and falling into a hole for a really long time. And then talked about what worked for him and having conversations between him and God and and going out into nature. But it was from a very different place than I had known because I I grew up Catholic, right? Very Irish Italian Catholic. (laughs) Um, And so there was only one way to talk to God, and that was in the church. And, you know, and there was only one way to tell him he did something wrong, and that was to the ear of the priest. And
1: confession, yep.
2: (laughs) Never made sense to me. And I struggled with it a lot. And, I got in trouble a lot in school for asking too many questions, like why? And so I was always, I think, set to be on that path of like spiritual mysticism, not so much dogmatic religion. And because I needed to figure out how to be okay in the world, I just started exploring every avenue I could find in spirituality. I tried out a few different religions. I put myself somewhere for three months, um, you know, a facility um, to try and figure out like if they had any answers, you know, in my early 20s. And I just kind of came up with this path that I'm on now. And it's just a combination of things that work for me. And um, a lot of it is kind of cherry picked from all of the places I've tried out over the years.
1: (laughs) Isn't that the awesome part about it? Because if you think about it, right, like I haven't really read through the whole Bible, right? Right. But I've done my own soul searching, right? And really... My belief is God doesn't care how you get to them is that you just yeah. get to them. And right. Yeah. If you, whether you have a conversation, whether you're praying on your knees or in my case, like when I worked in Huntington beach, which is two hours from where I live, I had conversations with God every day. Like, thank you God for giving me this job that I got to drive two hours to, you know, Thanks. you know what I'm talking about? Like I'd have yeah, these, absolutely. and being part of this network, what we call apex, right. And and learning from like some of the people I've known for a long time, like Chris Whitehead, like we've had conversations about spirituality, religion. Right. And, um, you know, and I've had my experience, you know, I got baptized Catholic because my ex-wife was Catholic and I figure, okay, I believe in the marriage thing. And I believe that, you know, the kids, you know, I'll do this because I want the kids to grow up, you know, in one church. And, And then I went through my addiction and I, This is all God's fault, of course, because how come a God, if He loves me so much, would put a guy like me, a nice guy like me, in jail or take away my kids? And my my mentors would always say, "God, did you put yourself there?" And two, you gave your kids, you gave your kids away, right? So then I started on this journey about studying like different, you know, like Buddhism, you know, personal development. the foundation which I have, which are the 12 steps, which I think are divinely inspired right through Dr. Bob and Bill W and and just finding my path, right, and knowing now that anywhere I have a conversation, like I could be laying on my bed having a conversation with God, or I could be on my balcony looking at the beautiful view I right. have, where He's showing right. off going, "Okay, we need to talk now." I get it. Or through people like yourself, you know, which helps me realize like I'm on the right path. It doesn't have to be because I've been back to church where I heard someone say, "We don't," you know, bash on other religions, and then the next Sunday I hear this guy, you know, the pastor bashing on another religion, and I'm like, but- "Okay." I'm not <laughs> (laughs) Uh, back to uh, this church
0: yeah you know maybe he did it inadvertently
1: Uh, but i think we all have a path right and how one thing that i'll learn or that i was taught like i had a really deep conversation with chris whitehead one time and he has this thing in his house it says be still and know that i am and i live by that now because i know wherever i go you know i either get signs from my mother Uh, from God, my brother, my sister, my granddaughter saying, you're right where you need to be. You're okay. Just keep on the path. Don't stray from this path. And you know, it's interesting to hear because you, I know you've done some deep study into this stuff. So I want to hear some more about like how you, like we talk about the trauma, right? And everybody always has to think it's something like I mean anything traumatic is bad right and it's
2: yeah but it doesn't have to be like this huge catastrophic event right like
1: right good you got you said what I wanted to say so let people know I mean any like what you went through what you kind of described that to me is a catastrophic event like nobody should have to go through physical emotional physical or sexual abuse or trauma you know what I mean like anyone who's a parent will will say I look at my kids and my grandkids and I'm like, if somebody hurt them, like, that's the thing, right? You know, would I be this spiritual person that I'm talking to Dr. Nicole, or will all my old Ah, behavior ah. from the streets come back and like, we're on the high, you know? Yeah. But um, it's interesting to see what my guests talk about because i learned so much from you. So I'm, I'm ready to learn some more. So go ahead, Dr.
2: So trauma, you know, like we said, it doesn't have to be catastrophic. It's any, any experience that left you feeling less than, that's my definition. Any experience that made you feel less than you were worth, and it could be a word from a stranger and you took it on and you let it live in you and you made it a home and you nurtured it. And over the years it became part of who you were and it became part of your identity. And you know, the unwinding then of trauma is to remember who you are and let all of the opinions of everybody else fall away so that, you know, the person that God designed and created can shine rather than all of the other people's opinions and uh, words of negativity or judgment. And so, yeah, when I was young, I just kind of continued along that path. And interestingly enough, you said that about like having kids and grandparents. And that is the number one reason why I didn't tell anyone in my family (laughs) is because I was so afraid of what they might do, right? Like they'd find the person and I didn't want anybody to get in trouble. And I thought, well, I can handle this and I can, and I did. And, you know, and now if you ask me, you know, 33 years later, I have come to a place where I can see that it's a blessing. I mean, that's an odd thing to say about such a crappy event, but, you know, I took it and then turned it into power and turned it into strength and then lived my life in a way where no one was ever going to dictate what I did, what I said, how I live, how I walked through the world. And I have failed that a few times. You know, I found myself in a couple of other abusive relationships, which is so interesting, but I think they show up because the trauma wasn't completely healed. And when you find yourself in a similar situation, I always say it's like God shining a spotlight and going, there's a little bit left. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a a tiny bit left and you need to work that out. Otherwise, it's going to follow you and it's going to stay and it'll keep showing up. Right? There's like a phrase by a Buddhist nun, Pema Chodron, and she always says, we will repeat it until we repair it.
1: Yes, I love her. She's such a wise woman.
2: Oh and, but gosh. I've heard
1: that, you know, and that's probably where my mentors got it from, you know, that yeah. not told me, you know, it's program only program or you're going to die, right? Like that's part of your your process, right? You got the right. foundation now go out in the world and find yourself and make sure you like when going through the steps, for instance, like when I did my first fourth step, right? It was only okay. a page, maybe three quarters of a page, right? If you could have seen my sponsor, because I look back, I laugh, at, I can laugh at it now, right? But he looked yeah. at it. And then gave me this look like, really? That's it? <laughs> you just, yeah. you just been running the streets for nine years. You just came out of jail. You were looking at a three-year prison term. And this is not a four-step of someone who just, right? But, you know, I was like, yeah, because I still, I held, like you said, what would he think if I let all these secrets out? Like, I know I need to heal, but I'm too afraid to let this man know because really, I just met this guy, you know what I mean? And they're saying I I have to get a sponsor, you know, and he was the one most like me. But still, I had that old thinking, like, I'll tell him this, but I'm not going to tell him that. I'll tell him that, but definitely not this, right? Right. So as a result, you know, I have four relapses while I'm in that facility, while I'm in that place, right? And I'm not getting it because what I realized was I was looking good, right? And there's a saying in the program right I can save my you can say you can't save your face and your ass at the same time right,
0: right. And I you can. talked about
1: you talked this about this before and it's
0: and yeah. I didn't get it
1: until that last relapse like and it was yeah. probably not even the worst one right probably the least of all four but I felt the worst and then I got it like it clicked but we either are afraid to tell people because Like when you said someone will get in trouble, right? Like, you know what I mean? That's our thinking though. I get that, right? Because like this happened to me and it's horrible, but I don't want them to get in trouble because, or what, because of my people might think or, Right. right. You know what I mean? And I just, I got that. I remember like going through life like that, like even in the early recovery, it was like, I don't want to say anything because this person might not like me after I like, sure. co- you know, confront them or whatever. But then I realized that all those amends and stuff I had to do were for me. It wasn't yeah. for the other person. It was to clean my soul, Absolutely. as they say.
0: Absolutely. And, um,
1: You know, and I I love being on with like minded people like yourself because I learned so much because you you have you've been doing this quite a long time and I get your perspective from you know the female perspective. And trials and tribulations as as you've gone through, right? Because everybody's different, but yet we listen close enough, a lot of us have the same story. We just found the solution through a different means. And if we can bring people together and go like, you're not alone, it makes it easier. So I appreciate what you do because I know you're helping a lot of people.
2: Well, you know, and but it came out of like, I don't want anybody else to have to feel this way. Do you know what I mean? Where you feel Mm -hmm. like there are no answers, there are no solutions. You don't know who to reach out to. You're afraid to tell people because you're afraid of being judged. You're ashamed, right? Like no matter what it is, if it was Mm. traumatic, you feel ashamed, even though that's the craziest thing to feel ashamed, you know? And um, because it was something out of like, especially like any abuse, like you didn't cause it, you know what I mean? So like to be ashamed of it is ridiculous or even addiction, to be ashamed of it, it never made sense. I have family members who, you know, have gone through addiction and recovery and relapse and recovery and relapse and recovery. And just watching them is like, the shame weighs like, I mean, like the heaviest shroud on them. And it takes all of the life force out of them. And there was like this thinking, okay, like, What do I do for others to make them realize that there is no shame that telling your story like in all its unedited versions is the strongest thing that you can possibly do, that it takes such strength and fortitude to say the truth about what happened to you and that there's no shame that it is just the most powerful thing you've got in your toolbox. It's the biggest weapon you have in your arsenal is the truth. Right. Because as soon as you tell it in all of the details, this weight kind of lifts off of you and you feel free. You don't have to carry around all of those stories. You don't have to carry around the versions you told that person or the version you told this person, because it's a lot to keep track of.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Right. and I'm it's glad like, you said that. Right. Because everybody has their path to that. Like for me, it was that final, okay, I'm going to do whatever you need me to do to stay sober. God, I, I if God would have said, Max, you're going to hop on one foot, you're going to rub your belly and pat your head. I would have did it. Right. So when I did that four step the last time I let it all out. Right. And (laughs) like you said, I always likened it to, okay, I've been carrying this silverback gorilla who's got me in a chokehold for years. Right. right? Right. And as soon as I finished that, it was like, he let go and he said like, you're going to be okay now. And it was like, I could stand up straight and go, okay. This may sound silly, but I carry that guilt and shame. Like, I'll tell you, as a counselor, and my experience is 13 years in the treatment industry, the drug and alcohol, that is the biggest thing that keeps addicts and alcoholics stuck in their addiction is that guilt and shame of not being able to tell somebody something because they're so, you know, or it just, it's such an overwhelming feeling. It keeps them in their addiction, right?
0: Because you said it early,
1: they don't want to feel it. It's such a crazy feeling. Like,
2: in order to heal something completely, you have to make peace with all of the things that you've done up until that point. They don't want to accept the things that they might've done under the state of drugs and alcohol, right? Or under the state of whatever, anger and abuse, whatever it is, whatever your choices that you're recovering from. And so you don't want to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I cannot believe I did those things. Do you know what I mean? Like what kind of person does that? You know, I know from experience in my own family and it was the worst thing for one of them was, oh my God, we don't do that in our family. And it was like, what does that even mean? We don't do that in our family. What kind of family doesn't have, um, you know, people who struggle like with drugs, alcohol, like whatever it is, shopping, gambling, you know what I mean? Like, what is it? What kind of family? That's a, we, we've already put a judgment thinking our family was going to judge us, but we didn't even give them the chance to like open their arms and help us heal. And I realized that from my own, I didn't give them a chance when I was young to help me heal, to want to be part of my process, to maybe change the story that I had already created in my mind, which was like, oh, my God, my dad's going to kill that guy. And my mother is going to think she did something wrong. Right. Right. Like, What did I do wrong? And it's like, but we've taken everybody else's shit on on top of our own. And then it's hard to climb out from under that. Right. And then pile it on with shame and guilt. Jesus, that's a no win situation.
1: I'm glad that you said something to that effect because it's true, right? So I'm going to give you from my perspective and then you can maybe help me out. Right. So I had, there's still some stuff I carry, right. Without even knowing it, like right? it comes out in the things I say, I realized in the last person I, I did an interview with who I interviewed, right. She pointed out, she goes, you still carry some heavy stuff. Like she heard it. Right. And I'm like, wow, I thought I got rid of it. Right. Right. <laughs> But, you know, it's true, though. I got to keep telling myself, you know, okay, for instance, when I was in my active addiction at its worst, right? I didn't see my children. I think it was, I got to get the time right, but it's about nine years where I did not see them. And they literally, Dr. Nicole could be in the house next to me, but that guilt and shame, I'd either wait till they went to bed and then I go do my thing, right? Or I'd wait till they went to school and they, you know, my ex went to work and I could scurry off. I carried that, right? And, and there's other things like that have happened that I think about that happened in my childhood, like being made fun of by my own mom and an uncle when I had to break out a calculator because I couldn't do a math problem in my head. You know, something like that even. Sure. You don't realize that how much that affects you when they're looking Absolutely. at you like, because I always got compared to my father who I guess was a math whiz, who taught himself math was an electrical engineer. So he okay. knew all about, but yeah, I'm because... learning now. It's like, you know what? I'm not them, I'm me. I have to stop that. Right. And I have to literally have that talk. Like Max, you need to stop <laughs> saying that stuff, Absolutely. but like, well, how do you take, like, say you're working with a client, like give the audience, like how you would work with them to help them overcome those blocks or those challenges that keep them stuck in that, that guilt or that shame that they don't even realize they're stuck in.
2: Right. So I take a few different techniques. So the first one, especially if there's like layers of trauma and layers of guilt, layers of shame, Um, And you need to let go of it. And there's all of those judgments like running around in your head. The first thing I ask is that you write a list of all of the things that you think you are that are negative, awful, right? It's like, just write them all down. All of the voices that you hear, write write it down. I'm unworthy. I'm unlovable. I'm bad at math. I'm all of right. the things that we ever heard from anybody else and write them down and then read them. Replace I, then you replace I with some random name that you choose, okay. right? So if it was. If I said, I am unworthy, I am unlovable, I am not deserving of success, right? So then I would say, well, Mary is unlovable and Mary is not worthy and Mary's not deserving of success or put a relative's face to it, which is even more interesting. (laughs) And then ask yourself, would you ever say that about anybody else? Would you ever say those things about anybody else? Right. Because we speak, we speak worse and more unkindly to ourselves than we would ever a stranger in the street. We say the most horrific things in our minds to our own self that we would never verbally speak out loud about another human being. I mean, I, most people.
1: You're right. I've done groups like that where you're supposed to say something nice about someone and then something good about yourself. And, you know, I would get to that point and people will go, I got nothing good to say. And I go, why not? And it would get them to think about, they could say something nice totally about to a stranger sitting next to them, but about Thank themselves, you. they go, I have nothing nice to say. And then, you know, that would be the work that we did in that group. And I'm guilty of it. I know I did in the beginning. I couldn't say anything nice about myself, right? Because
2: you're judging yourself for the shit that you did that ended you up in a recovery center and in prison because you're judging yourself instead of just saying, like, I'm a human being and I made a mistake. I'm a human being. I made a mistake. But like, look where I am now. I chose differently. I did the right thing. I did. I went on a different path. I'm on the healing, you know what I mean? On the healing journey, I am not that person anymore. I am different. But we see ourselves through the lens most times of the thing that we did that was the worst in life. We're constantly judging ourselves in the present from our past. Always. You're always seeing through the lens of your past in your present. And that is what you predict your future through too, until you can heal that thing that caused you to look through this distorted lens. Like you said, the first, you know, you heard that you were made fun of because you couldn't do a math problem because you needed a calculator. Well, that's a scar. No doubt about it. You know, that then there's stuff that builds upon it, builds upon it, builds upon it. So it could have been about math the first time, but then maybe you felt the same feeling that you did that first time when you couldn't do something else perfectly do you know what i mean because they're directly related
1: right right right.
2: the event is irrelevant it's the feeling you felt when the initial experience happened it isn't the event it's the feeling because it takes less than three seconds for that feeling to go in the body the body to feel the feeling for it to send a signal to the brain and now you have a pathway built literally So now every time the body goes, ooh, we know this feeling, it goes back to that event and it takes that reaction out of a file and it gives you the same reaction even though the players are different and the experience is different.
1: And that's how we have to learn to change, right? Like luckily for me, you know, I took my recovery serious and that I had a mentor who never really told me I had to do things right, but he'd always show by leading by example, correcting me when I would come up with the same thing. Like, dude, you can't change the past. Like, why are you beating yourself up? Like, stop. And one thing that helped me get over that, but I mean, you know, I'm still a work in progress, but one thing he always told me, especially after the last relapse, he goes, look, God's forgiven you. Forgive yourself. You're not God, so if he can forgive you, why can you not forgive yourself?
0: Right. And we'd have
1: conversations and I would like, okay, he's right again. You know, he's right. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he'd always say like God has no grandchildren. We're all his children and he doesn't make junk. So so why are you thinking that you're junk, you know, because right. remember he didn't make junk and you know, it's little talks like that, that would help me along and, and then meeting other people, of course, who are where I would want to be. And, you know, they would tell me the same thing. And, you know, like reading that book, The Power of Now, how he talks about our happiness right now is going to be gone because it's already gone. Like it's already, it's already in the already history, gone. right? Yeah. that's true. And I, have you know, I had to read that some of that stuff over and over and I finally get it. So like for me, like staying in the present and knowing that like now I have friends like Dr. Nicole, like who do this work on a daily basis, right? Like people like that will tell me the truth. Like if they hear me like, dude, you're like in the past again. Like, what are you doing? Like, we're not back there. They'll correct me, right? And get me back on course. Isn't that what God wants us to do ultimately is help each other grow and be better human beings and not live in that past?
2: Absolutely. And, And how are you honoring God? So he created Mm. you in his image. And like your friend said, he didn't make junk. He made no mistakes. He didn't have to, he didn't go, oh shit, I dropped it. I'll (laughs) leave it. I'll just send it out that way. You know what I mean? That's not what he's doing. So when he created each of us, he created us in a very, you know, um, very distinct, uh, designed, purposeful, well thought out plan. And so um, how are you honoring that image? are you living up to your potential if you're living in your past you're not living in your potential you're also not living in your purpose because purpose and potential don't live in the past they live in the moment of what can i do right now to get myself moving forward how how can i keep going along my path how can i take beauty and love and light out of each moment of every day instead of focusing on the darkness or the things that might happen right the mistakes that i might make but the mights are like they haven't even happened yet we worry so much about them they cause us so much anxiety so how are you honoring yourself by living the purpose that god placed in your heart when he created you that is you know that's my that's my touchstone every day like am i honoring that or am i living from a place that's smaller and less than and if i'm living from a place that's smaller and less than then i am living in my past i am living in my trauma I am not owning who I am right now because some part of me doesn't believe it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, And so for me, what I do is part of the work that I do is the quickest way to judge. If you're in your past, your present or your future is your breath. (laughs) How are you breathing?
0: Right. Right? No, it's true.
2: If you're breathing in a very hastened quick manner and shallow in the upper chest, you're probably anxious in fear or worried. I mean, it's, proven, right? Scientifically, we right. know that when you breathe in a specific pattern that you're breathing from worry and anxiety. And so it's the first thing I'll check if I feel off center or I'm not on the path where I feel I'm straying and I'm going into the place of like, oh my God, I suck today because I didn't have as many wins as the other apex members. Do you know <laughs> right. what I mean? Like I do. Go there. I go there, you know, and so, yeah, so what I do is you asked earlier when I said make that list of things that you think you're horrible at or the judgments that you have upon yourself. Sometimes it's painful to go there for people. So we don't even start there. We start with the breath because no story has to be told. We just have to learn to breathe properly in order to create new neural pathways in the brain so that Mm. we can break habit and we can break addictive tendency and we can break habitual patterns of living that have become comfortable and safe for us, right? So we, we know the brain likes safety, it likes predictability. It likes pattern. And so when we start to embody the purpose that we were put here for, the brain freaks out because that's not the way we lived up until the moment, especially if we're in recovery.
0: Right. And
2: so when we when we try to be something new, actually, it's not really new. It's just who you are, letting all of the junk away. The brain right. freaks out. And so relapse happens because it's comfortable. The brain knows what to do with that then. We know this pattern. We've done it before. We're good now. We're safe.
1: Right. Well, and that's what I've shared with clients. I go, you know, it's been proven scientifically, right? Through DNA, like us who have that gene, right? It's in our DNA. And like on my side of the family, both mom and dad's, right? It's been proven. The one thing that I didn't understand was at five years sober, I went into this severe depression, right? So I'm clinically depressed. I've been diagnosed with clinical depression, but I didn't know what that was, right? Because I had been masking it with drugs and alcohol for so long. But at five years, I go into this severe depression, right? And, you know, I do what my sponsor, you know, I go to my sponsor. He says, hey, the book says go get help. So I go to the doctor, you know, I get put on an antidepressant. Which helped dramatically yeah. for yeah, years yeah. until two years ago when I got off it because I, I felt it wasn't effective anymore, right? So now this is what I told myself, okay, I'm good enough to be without it. Now I just gotta find a way to handle these things that come in that make me feel like way down here or just flat, you know, you know, which is exercise, prayer, meditation, breathing, which I'm, you know, still learning how to breathe, <laughs> breathe, right? Yep. I remember when I was doing jujitsu, my instructor would say, Max, you need to breathe. You're turning yep. blue, because I'd hold yeah. on, you know, like I'm gonna get this guy, <laughs> but I would always, you know, and um, but I, it makes so much sense what you're saying, because this is stuff that I'm learning you know, and I always say better late than never, right? Never too old to learn. You know, I just turned 53 this year and it's like, I feel better at 53 than I did at 40. And it's because I've connected with people like you that tell me about these paths, like breath work or, you know, yoga, meditation, exercise, right? Before I had my surgery, I had completed 75 hard, which totally refocused on oh, who yeah. I am that's and, a
2: program, man. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: you know what I mean and it got me ready for this back surgery that's why I think I'm healing so fast and and I'm not having a lot of pain absolutely. you know I'm still just soreness but you know the the typical like yeah there was a reason I didn't need to do any pain medication when I got home like right. ibuprofen but like you said, you know, this, this breath work stuff is very interesting to me because it's something that I'm still new at and I'm trying to practice. But uh, if you want to tell the audience a little more about that, because I believe it, because when I actually sit and practice breathing, like from the diaphragm and, conscious and doing breathing. That, yeah, conscious breathing, right? Yeah. Like when I'm done, I'm like, Oh. God, man I felt good you know like yeah. you feel like a different person You, totally. like you say, especially if you've had a day like well, what I do right so I'm always dealing with people that are in detox or you know I hear their exactly. stories so I'm constantly hearing the negative right because yeah, yeah. their addiction took them and mm-hmm. if I come home and practice that breathing I can be more present for my family which I need to get better at because I you know the hustle bustle of life I want to just keep yeah. going and get stuff done for my wife or for myself or whatever but tell tell I think it's very important, right? Because they talk about it in martial arts, the the proper breathing, right? They talk it yeah. about in yoga, when you're doing yoga or meditation, Absolutely. breathing and how it, it's literally the gift of life and it can yes. help you through anything. Absolutely. So I'm going to so- let you, the expert, talk about it.
2: So um, that's how I found breathwork, right? I became a yoga teacher like in my early 20s and kind of did that. However, um, I found other um, spiritual practices that were focused primarily on breathing and they were considered yoga, but there was no physical posture in them, which was really interesting. So I now do something that I call Thrive, which is called um, Tools for Health, uh, Recovery, Immunity, Vitality, and Empowerment. And it's breathwork-based. It's breath and sound-based, right? So breath, there's a phrase in um, spirituality that says, breath is the king of your mind. Whatever your mind is doing, your breath will follow the pattern. So if your mind is focused on fear, your breath will um, be fear-filled. If your mind is filled with anxiety, your breath will be filled with anxiety. So in order to change what's happening in the brain and in the mind, we have to change the way we breathe. So most people, if we ask them to take a deep breath, they would breathe and they would (sighs) up into the upper chest. Right. So that's only one third of the space of a full breath. A full breath means I fill my belly first, and then I fill my chest, and then I fill up to my throat. And that is a complete, full, proper breath. And so when you do that, you are flooding your blood with oxygen. And when you flood your blood with oxygen, you're flooding the brain with oxygen. And when there's increase in oxygen in the brain, you have more mental clarity. You make better decisions from that place because you're not oxygen Deprived. There are certain breath exercises that can heal the body. There are certain breath exercises that can, you know, lessen the effects of depression. There are some that heal diabetes. I mean, there's a path of breath for everything. And so I decided I didn't want to be like you. I was on depression medication and I didn't want to be on it anymore because I didn't feel human on it. I felt kind of numb um, and I was a kind of walking through without being present.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So my family would tell me you're just kind of here.
2: Yeah, you're just kind of here. And so I found a teacher at one point in my life in 2003, um, who was a breathwork um, based teacher and sound vibration. And I said, I need to get off this medication. And I and I and and, and I think it's possible to do with this. Um, He said, yep, absolutely possible but you'll need to do it every day like you're taking your medication like it's like if you're going to take the time to pop a pill down your throat you're going to have to take an hour or two every day and do this practice because this practice will be your medicine like you can't miss it it's not like you know you can miss a day or two here but you'll feel it immediately and i have to tell you i i once in a while will take a few days off and it's immediate for me i'm like everything feels low and heavy that day I feel like I'm not getting anything accomplished. I feel like, you know, I'm not perfect and so judgmental about myself. And then I realized, oh, my God, I didn't do my breath. Work. Right. Right? So, yeah, but it was a lot. It was a lot of work. And in those breath exercises, the beauty of them is, is that you never have to tell your story, but the emotion comes up as a result of the breath exercises. And so, like when I teach a public class, it's the first thing I say, listen, you have to let the emotion come up. You're going to feel it and it's safe here. We've all gone through it, but like, you might want to cry or scream and all of it is welcome. Right? Like literally in a public setting. And it happens, you can see it. Like people, their lips start quivering and we're just breathing because we're trying to break that horrible pathway that was linked to something traumatic in your life. And I'm doing it on purpose. Like I'm creating this energy on purpose in your body because you need to free yourself of it. Right. And I'm the last stop for somebody <laughs> <laughs> because it is so alternative. It is so not on the normal path of healing. You know, what do you mean? I can use breath where it can sound and sound like crazy person, but you know, or do this crazy breath. And and it just is an interesting place to end up. It's like, oh, I heard about this thing you do. Um, I think I'll give it a try because I've tried everything else. And so, right, you know.
1: And it's sad that people, I'm guilty, right? Like everybody wants that quick fix. So they, they will it. try this stuff that's very harmful, possibly yeah. with many side effects Right. before they do this breath work thing, which is natural, which God gave you breath and he gave that's you oxygen. It. I was the same way, like, how is this stuff going to help me, right? Right. Because, you know, you mentioned that. And it was funny because when I was on the Medicaid, especially the last couple of years before I came off it, like I was present, but I wasn't right. Like a lot of the times I'm just like an observer of people, even my own family, like I'll sit in the background, sit in my easy chair and I'll just watch everybody go by, right? But I did notice that like, I wasn't really participating. I was just one way, like flat, you know, and my <laughs> wife would say, you know, the kids think that you're, there's, you know, you're mad at them or something, or you don't right. like them or, and I'm like, no, I'm just, and then we had that conversation. I think it's time you, because, you know, here's what my wife does, right? So she'll do the research for me as she's watching me, right? She said, yeah, well, this medication, symptoms. yeah, she's like medication right here. Look, it says it starts losing its effectiveness. And you, you start, and she starts showing me like, I'm feeling that way. Cause she does it with, you know, the utmost love it, but she notices it, be- you know, cause people notice it in us before we notice
0: it. Absolutely. Right. So,
1: and, um, you know, like I'm not an expert at it, but I know like when I have a client, I can't, cause I'm in drug treatment. Right. I can't say we're going to go get a pill to- and you'll feel better. Right. 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 So we're going to practice some deep breathing. Right. right. As their right? anxiety goes up, they're like, I, you know, they're, they're yep, about absolutely. to hyperventilate. Absolutely. So I teach them like, I don't know if this, but I do the four, like tell them, I go, you take a deep breath for the count of four, yep. let it out for the count of four. But yep. the focus is for you to count to four, count. right? Because it's going to take it. your mind off. That's it. Whatever you're oh. anxious off. And absolutely. you're going to- and I would tell them, you need to concentrate on your breath, your breathing. So count to yep. four in and out, you know, sometimes it works. Sometimes they're in such an anxious state. I have to take okay. them for a walk yep. or I have to take them to the nurse and go, look, you sh- they're, you know, they, yep. they need part of their medication right now. But I try to do the breath work with them first. So absolutely. And like you said, it's happened to me. Like I've had out of even with almost 18 years, like maybe a thought or a memory comes in and I can feel my life, my heart start to go. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And- absolutely. So this is really helpful because I'll teach you a little trick for when that happens with somebody and when it happens with you as well. While we do breath work, we use these hand postures called mudras, right? In yoga, a mudra is a hand posture. And because we're pressing on a a meridian point linked in Chinese medicine to an organ, to a pathway and to a feeling, we're creating energy or redirecting it in the body. That's all it is. And they work within the first 10 seconds, right? So there's a mudra or a hand posture for anxiety. And it works because we're pressing on the meridian point for the pericardium, the sheath around the heart, the muscular sheath around the heart. When you experience anxiety, that sheath constricts and it makes you feel like you're going to have a heart attack, right? right? You're like, (laughs) you can't catch your breath. (laughs) This mudra, when we press on this point, it releases the pericardium and you can feel it. And it sounds in your head, it sounds like... And all of a sudden, the anxiety goes away. It's instant, right? It's instant. You have to hold it for like a minute for it to to be fully effective. Because once you go into a state of anxiety, your brain starts to release stress hormones into the body. And when those stress hormones are released into the body, they can hang out there for eight eight to 10 hours. They are detrimental to your organs and your physical health. They break down, right? Your adrenal glands. You can go into adrenal fatigue and the whole nine yards. They're really bad for your thyroid gland and so on and so forth. So we don't want them to be fully released. So this mudra stops the release of stress hormone oh, so that nice. they cannot affect the body. Right. So it's your middle finger and you push your middle finger down and then you press your thumb all the way up towards the top by the webbing.
1: Oh, okay. I got- That's
2: it. Yeah. And you just press. That's it. It's simple.
1: Do I have to do it with both?
2: Give me one one. hand. And if somebody, you can do it for somebody else too. You can be the one pressing if like they can't quite get there. And then do your four breath, your count of four. And literally within 10 to 20 seconds, it's going away. You see it in their face. It's gone, 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 gone. gone. And just hold it for a minute, but it works on yourself. I do it a lot driving in Phoenix because they can't drive here in Phoenix. <laughs> Constantly being triggered while I'm driving. Oh, I wish I had
1: all learned this in Orange County or driving on the 5 or 405 freeway. I would have stopped yeah. on the side and went. Yeah, oh. and just like you sit know.
2: there and breathe and hold this mudra. <laughs> and so this is called the panic attack mudra. That's its name. So mm-hmm. that's what it's for. So that's what I do, just breath work and mudras so that we don't have to talk. We don't have to go into talk therapy. We don't have to do anything else. We just need to breathe. Well, and, you
1: just gave me a new tool, which will be perfect because sometimes, you know, I and I deal mostly with like 20 somethings, right? Yeah. And they're children to me. And, and of course you yeah. now too, because we're like, yeah. and you know, trying to teach them something is like, you know, having a teenager at home who thinks they know everything. But <laughs> once they get into that panic mode, it's it's very difficult to pull them yeah. out of it. Now I have a tool, so thank you so much. Cause there's times the breath work is not working, you know what I mean? So yeah. now I have a little extra to help them with, and I'll give Dr. Nicole. Full credit. Like, look what oh, I learned yeah. on my podcast from <laughs> Dr. Cole. You're gonna try it. Well, it depends if it's a guy I'm like I'll duct tape you to that table if you don't freaking try I'll duct
0: tape your
2: fingers yeah. to your <laughs> yeah. hand. There you go. I'm gonna tape but, your uh, finger to your hand.
1: <laughs> but um, you know what I mean? And, and especially when they're coming off detox. I try not to get yeah. hard in the beginning, right? Because their body is the
2: worst physical. Yeah.
1: But at least something like that when I it's, meet with them can help them without them having to go, I need to see the nurse for some medicine. Yeah, just, you know what I mean? For-
2: Yep. Just for a moment, because the, the, you know, when the stress hormones are released in the panic attack, they are addicting. That's why we keep doing things that are stressful for us. That's why we keep feeling um, fear and worry is because the stress hormones are more addicting than the love hormones, right? Like those feel good hormones. And, and so it's another addiction it's a pattern. We get like a high off of the dump of like of cortisol in our body. And so
1: it's crazy that you say that because my first year anger was my new drug of choice.
2: When I finally realized,
1: and this for word, when I knew I couldn't do drugs and alcohol, I told my sponsor, well, anger will be my new drug of choice. And since you can't stop it, there's, you know what I mean? It's not illegal until like I share one day, I, you know, I would, I'm here's a guy. Someone cut me off. I chase you home. Right. And then I yell at you for taking my lane position or whatever. Right one day I, I followed this guy home right And I, he pulls in his driveway i pull up parallel you know and i'm looking out the window and i'm i see this guy get out of the car and it's one of these things where you go holy like uh, he blocked out the sun i'm like yeah this guy's huge you know sorry sir wrong house. but it was one of those things that snapped me like dude you got to stop this what if this was um say a pissed off gang member that right, yeah right, I, with I, a gun. Or, or, or someone who just rages when something right. like this happens and pull out, you know? So I, I you know, i talked to him about it with my sponsor. He goes, yeah, it's about time you quit that stuff. Cause that's going to get yeah. you hurt. You know, even yeah. just just you getting that angry is not good for your body. And so I did a couple of things that he told me. And then now, then I practice, you know, prayer and meditation, ask yeah. God, take this anger away. But you know, that anger is, that was so like, I didn't realize how it became. Oh, until after the fact, you know, and yeah. I'm realizing, why like, it's,
2: wow. Yeah. It's also, that's why it's so hard for depression to, to come out of a depression because that in itself is addicting because there are hormones released in depression that numb us. So we don't have to feel anything. And so we're addicted to that feeling of like, I don't want to do anything. And then like, it's really hard to get out of that. And depression itself changes the chemistry of your brain you know, there's a theory like brain chemistry causes depression. No, 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 no. Life causes depression. And then from depression, your brain chemistry changes. Right. right?
1: I'm glad you mentioned that because I, like you said earlier, I think we've all experienced some type of trauma, sometimes anxiety, some type of depression, right? Some are worse than others. Right. And luckily for you and I, we found our path to get out of that. Right. You know, we can let the audience know we're not perfect. We still have our moments, but
0: we'd be pretty dull if
1: we were perfect, right? If we were just sitting here all the time, like, oh, yeah, I never experienced that stuff.
0: Uh,
2: Yeah, no, I I have horrible moments still where (laughs) I'm like, are you kidding me? You're doing this right now.
1: Right. But I'm glad you said that about depression or anything like that. Right. It can become addicting, especially too, not only because it changes the chemistry in our brain. Right. But like if we see a certain reaction from somebody and we like it because of what we're going through. It will yeah. continue that pattern, right? Absolutely. So one of the things I do with my clients that I, you know, it's it's not a must because they don't have to do it, but I do it with from the get-go from day one. I hand them a composition book and I say, You well, what you want to not feel depressed or anxious. Here, I, this is an assignment you can, choose. you know, like Mission Impossible. You know, this yeah, is gonna blow up in three seconds. You can choose to do it or not. But I tell them, I go, I highly encourage you to do this because it's gonna change the chemistry in your brain. And they go, Okay, what's that? So it's something my sponsor and my mentors had me do. Early on, especially after my last relapse, because everything was so negative in my brain. Like, I deserve to be in prison. I don't deserve to be sober. I don't deserve my kids back, you know, all that junk.
2: Absolutely.
1: So, I figured since I have them in this controlled setting, this is where I'm going to start it, right? Because they don't get to wander. They can because they're adults, right? Where it's not a lockdown, but, you know, in their heads, they can't just walk off or, or they're yeah. going to be in trouble, right? So, mm-hmm. I, I give them a composition book and I said, here's what you do. You're going to write three things in the morning that you're grateful for. First thing when you wake up, so that when you wake up, I mean, not before, before you smoke a cigarette, before you go right, to the bathroom, right. before you have a cup of coffee, right? and I keep it simple, three things. And then you're going to write three things before you put your head on the pillow that you're grateful for. And it's got to be different from the a.m. Right. The next day has to be different from the day before. I said, try that for two weeks and watch how your thinking Absolutely. changes, you know, yep. and the ones that do it will come back and go, dude, that, that just, you've changed my life. Like I did something magical or gave them a magical pill. So,
2: I know. And it's so simple, but they just didn't think there was anything to be grateful for in this world.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I still do that. You know, it's by my armchair in the, Yep. is my gra- almost 18 years later because I know it works right especially right. when I'm feeling stressed out like what I told you this past seven months of, of losing my work and then not all this stuff right I still found things to be grateful for so that I didn't slip back into old behavior and just sit in my bed and go oh poor me poor me <laughs> yeah. right because we have a saying in the program right pour me pour me pour me another drink and that's where yeah. I do not want to go so
2: right 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 absolutely yeah which like you you know during the pandemic. I own a business that was grouped in with fitness centers. So they kind of made us close temporarily. And then I stayed open and got fined and got um, the police called on me. And, and it was just like, what am I going to do if I can't do this? This is what I do you right. know, and I, and I got really depressed during the pandemic. And then I realized everyone around me was depressed in the pandemic because they were cut off from the community. Right. So again, you have to find things to be grateful for, like, cause I could, I went down that path where, oh my God, nothing's working out for me. Like, look at, I'm failing. Uh, my business is going to have to shut down. The people that I'm helping normally aren't getting help. You know, I right. lost a few students. They took their lives during the pandemic. And so it was just piling on. Hence my, I'm going to join apex. Cause I need to get out of this like loop of like, I'm failing somehow, you know? So yeah, it happens to all of us, no matter this is my work and it still happens, you know, because we're right. human. We're human. Absolutely.
1: And I loved apex for that. Right. Because I know there's been posts like by, um, yeah, almost everybody. At least one about like, do you get jealous of your your peers' yeah, successes, yeah. right? And right, and I have learned no, I just cheer them on, right? And right. if I cheer them on, I think Andy Purcell did it in one of his blogs or one of his things that I just read. Like, no, you cheer them on. You don't ever bash on someone because right. they'll remember yep. that.
0: That's it. As yep. much.
1: Absolutely. As you lifting them up and cheering them on, right? Because your time's coming. But what happens is like when you're bashing, then like the universe says, no, wait, 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 wait. Instead of taking the opportunity to be nice to someone and help them and and support them, you started talking, excuse my language, shit about them.
2: Right, right. Exactly.
1: Right? so. That's what I love about Apex, right? And it's yep. like what I love about my my very intimate recovery community, right? That I've grown with since day one mm-hmm. is that no one bashes on me. No one bashes on each other. We help each other, right? Because right. that's what I was taught from day one is if you think your life is shit, go help somebody. If you still that's think it. your life is shit, you go help somebody else and if you still think your life is shit help someone else and then by the time you're done you'll realize like wow you have it pretty good because you just helped all these people
2: that's right right right
0: right and
1: that's like i get the the honor and the privilege of having a dr nicole on my podcast right and the amazing people i've already had on there and going to have on there because it doesn't matter i may be years behind someone in business because but I don't, you know, a lot of people don't realize they put the 10, 20 years in to get that's right. You don't see the at.
2: story behind it, right? We don't absolutely. see the story, the pain, the struggle, the wins, the losses. We don't see yeah. any of it. We see right. the end result. You exactly.
1: Know? And fortunately yeah. for us, we get to hear those backstories. We absolutely do. S- yeah. Slept in the back of their warehouse until that's they made, right. you know, 10 years later, they finally became successful. Yeah. You yeah. know, if that's an overnight success, right, then I, I it hit me one of these days. And it says, even though I'm 53, then if it, it's not mental 63, then I'm going to enjoy the ride while I can, I'm going to trust the process, right. and I'm going to help as many people as I can in the process, right? Because I'd rather what is success if I don't have those friendships or the people around me to help, you know, when I need yep. it, and when they need it. So Absolutely. You know um, uh, I've loved our conversation so far. And I haven't even got to answer you the first question I like to ask. So. And writing my book, right? You, I don't know if you've read my book or heard about it. I call it Fearless Happiness.
2: I have your book
1: oh, and it's awesome. amazing. Yes. <laughs> so I like to ask my guests, right? Because truly, we, I've, every guest I've spoken with, like, are we really ever going to become fearless? Probably not. Right. right. So I like to ask them, like, what does fearless look like for you? And how does that show up daily for you? Like you gave us an example, like when COVID hit, people don't understand that overdoses went up mental health issues went up depression went up like people just (laughs) you know all the connection they had before was all of a sudden told you can't do that right now they're what they're with their self me myself and I right so tell me how how what fearless means to you and how that shows up in your life
2: yeah so um fearless is um fall down seven get up eight (laughs) <laughs> it's meaning every time you fall, the only thing required of you is to get back up. You can stay down for a little while if you have to, but it's not our permanent location, right? And find a reason to get up. And that is fearless. Like no matter what storms coming your way, you still are walking forward towards it, right? And then in my case, sometimes, which is probably why the universe has blessed me um, with <laughs> specific situations in my life, is I have stood there in my worst like you know condition and said is that all you've got is that all you've got cuz i'm still standing right I got back up right is that all you've got so for me that is fearlessness is just get back up you may not know the next step but at least you're standing right that for me is the definition.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly, and I couldn't agree with you more. Because, and you know, now, like I said, now that I'm a part of this wonderful, and you are are, are part of this wonderful network called Apex. Like, no one ever turns each other down. Like, hey, Dr. Nicole, I need yeah. your help due to my CRS and if anybody doesn't know what CRS it's called can't remember shit if i don't write it down you know <sighs> like to still have this conversation with dr nicole after like messing up twice you know and, and her I'm being messed up. She, yeah, she's being very patient with me, right? But it was my fault. I own it. But you get what I'm saying. Like, these are the kind of people I run with, like, they don't go, oh, well, you missed one. So I'm never talking to you again. Oh, my gosh, you must be I a horrible human being. You know what I mean? But that's the kind of network we belong to, right? And I, I feel like truly grateful and blessed that I have like these two, even though they're separate networks that support me right and one of my biggest you know I got to tell you like she'll deny it but she's my wife right I've seen her bounce back you know from such adversity right and like you said I've seen her you know she says I'm not that great but like you're still standing like I'm over here cowering and you're helping me up honey you know what I mean it's like she does it's like she's so used to it that she doesn't even realize she does it like when we lost our granddaughter, you know, two years ago. And then a week later, she's, you know, supported me through almost losing my son to a stroke. I got total admiration and adoration for my wife, right? Because she's one of those people who walks the walk and talks the talk. She may not be in recovery, but She knows how to get up that eighth time and go, you know what, you're not going to get me. So like for me to be interviewing you is just amazing because I know we'll get to know each other more. Right. We didn't get real deep on some of what those challenges are, but we at least gave the audience like. What's our mantra in Apex, right? Is never stop, never quit. Always do the work, right? Work
2: despite. <laughs> despite, right? Well, it's,
1: it's, it's just like this guy. He, he's a very wealthy. He became, he was, a, he's a recovery. It still goes to meetings, right? But he's done a few TED Talks. Yep. But his three main principles which I realized this is what I was taught to do was that he lives by and he attributes his success to because he doesn't. There's no you know like integrity. There's no negotiating. This is right. what it's going to be like, right? Our values Absolutely. and right. his are his three top are always be authentic, right? Surrender the results and always do the hard work. And right. he goes, I've lived by that for like now. He's over 15 years over, right? He's probably right. more like 20, but he's been very successful. And he goes, it's because I kept to those principles. Like, right. right. And, and, And that's what I see all of us doing. And and especially the people that I have the honor and privilege, like yourself of interviewing is like, you stick to these values, these, this integrity, like (laughs) I've already been through this shit. I ain't going back. So I'm going to stick to what I know best. And that's being my best self being like Ryan says, right. The best and most elite version of ourselves. Right. And like, I tell people, all you got to do is get perfect. It doesn't, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to get perfect effort, which means you get up every day and you try your best. That's no right. one can fault you for that.
2: It's always progress, not perfection. Progress, Absolutely. any amount of progress. One step, yeah. one toe, one toe. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right, as long as it's forward, right? Like like, like Thomas Keenan says, small steps forward daily, right? He Absolutely. Like 10 paces forward daily. He just That's says right, small, step-
2: small steps.
1: And like uh, one of Ryan's, You know, mentors who passed this year—I think it was—or at the end of last year, Sam Bakhtiar, who was really big in the fitness, always said, "Be one percent better than you were the day before." That's all you got to do, right? If you do that every day, we're going to be three hundred and sixty-five percent better than we were last year. That's right. right? And last year, we're hoping that we're like—we're
2: not anywhere near we were last year. Yeah, Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it's you know, like at first, it was like so negative. You know, when I lost my job, like I'm like.
0: Oh, of course. But then I thought of
1: all the good things, you know, I'm I'm doing my, you know, I got my podcast going again. You know, yes, I lost a very big mentor and good friend of mine due to COVID in March that stopped me for a while. But it also, you know, one thing he taught me was to believe. Always believe that you can do this and perfect doesn't mean done. Just get it done. So here I am, you know, and I get to interview amazing people like Dr. Nicole. So my second question for you, right?
2: You're amazing.
1: <laughs> You're amazing. <laughs> um, so happiness, right? We all know how to spell happiness, but I yep. put a why in my happiness and I still, you yeah, guys or whoever always want to spill me wrong. I go, I did it for a reason. I did it for a reason. So you'll figure it out. Read my book. But knowing <laughs> I put the why there, right? Cause I know, you know why the Y is there, but like, yep. what does happiness mean for you? And, and how does that show up in your life on a daily basis? Cause like you said, with the things that have happened to us here in, in America in the last 18 months, right? A lot of people would say I have nothing to be happy for. But look, you and I are having this conversation. We're smiling, we're laughing. So obviously there is. So give the yep. audience what your definition is.
2: So it's very interesting that you just said that. And uh happiness for me is my my ability to be able to find joy in the moment I'm in, right? Like whatever moment I'm in, if I can find joy in that moment, something good, something beautiful, something light filled. Um, you know, the thing to be grateful for, then that is how I maintain happiness. And at the same time, it's, am I contributing something to the world at the moment? Am I contributing light or am I contributing darkness? If at the moment I feel like I'm contributing darkness, then I need to shift. I'm not finding happiness right now. I'm in the opposite right now. I'm finding wow. all of the things that are wrong. So it's about just being in the present moment about looking around you and just seeing how blessed you are. First and foremost, you're breathing. Jesus, Mary and Joseph, you know what I mean? Like you're breathing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so, I mean, that's the first thing that I'm happy because God gifted me with another day of my life. And that is as simple as it gets for me, right? Yeah, as simple as it gets.
1: You know, and I used to think it was corny. Like I belong to this group. One of my main meetings I used to go to early on and I ended up being a part of that meeting for 10 years before I moved out of the area. You know, and I when I found out the guy's story, I realized why he always said it. But he'd always say, you know, every day above ground, sober, and not locked up is a great day. And you know, for a while, I'd be like, you say the same thing every time. You know what I mean? But I get it now, right? Every yeah. day that I'm above ground, that I get okay. to have conversations like that, and I'm not at the Grey Bar Motel, I'm very blessed. You know what I mean? Right. I'm having a great day. So, right. like you said, it's finding even the most minutest thing you can be grateful for because I used to say that a lot. And then my sponsor got me one day. He goes, Max, gratitude is an action word. Show me why you're grateful. Because I wasn't doing, I was talking, but I wasn't right. really doing anything. And then I got it. Okay. So gratitude is an action word. So I had to show them. I, you know, I would take people to a meeting. I'd stay, I'd get yep. there early. I'd yep. help pick up you know, cigarette butts, uh, I, I would lead the meeting or whatever. And then I would stay late, right? That was my way at that time of showing through action, Gratitude. I was grateful to be sober. Gratitude. And and now that I have so much more going on, it's like, you know, I think part of my action or showing that I'm happy or my happiness is doing this podcast. And
0: Absolutely. You know, yeah. as
1: it continues to grow, you know, I'm just gonna keep bringing people on that want to share their story like yourself. And, and you know, when I get off of here, I'll be like smiling from here to doctor Nicole, and I finally had our interview, and we got to do this. But I hope I
2: and I hope it didn't hijack the conversation in any way, shape, no, or form. No. Like it went down some path you weren't intending.
1: <laughs> no, it actually, I you know whatever path it go, like I'll tell you, yeah. I think it went great. I got from you everything I thought I would get, you know, and then some because I learned so much from you today and you know, hopefully the audience who are listening will gather, like there's another way out. Like you don't have to get depressed. I mean, that's a natural part of life. Like stuff happens in our life, but we don't have to stay. What I want to say is stay stuck in that.
2: Yeah. We don't have to live there. We don't have to live there.
1: Absolutely. Right. And for me, once in a while, happiness for me means having a freaking Reese's peanut butter cup because I don't get to do that very often. So that's yeah. happiness to me. You know I mean? <laughs> um, but you get what I'm saying. So like this has been an awesome, awesome. No, you did not hijack. It went, you know, <laughs> I always say it goes according to God's plan. It went perfect. Yeah. You were awesome. I'm so grateful that you came on and did the show that you <laughs> you stuck by me and didn't get frustrated with me. There's
2: nothing uh, to be frustrated by.
1: No, but you know, I'm like, i my own worst enemy, right? Like I'm trying to get back into the swing of work and this yeah, and that, please. and I would for, forget like, Oh yeah, I got that podcast. That's why, you know, now I know why our mentors tell us live, by, the by your
2: schedule, yeah, because <laughs> then you have it all written
1: down. And I just <laughs> got one at work, so everything like my clients that I meet with, my groups that that's I do, it. my podcast like everything is written down. And it's like, I always used to think I'm not that busy. And when I wrote it out, I was like, that, I you write it down, busy. you're like, yeah. I have
2: a lot to do, I have a full yep. day, right? Right, but I and think then that's even how a- we get to be better is through our what we perceive as mistakes, but they're not really mistakes, they're right. just just a speed bump right and just you know and then we get to shift we get to detour we get to change lanes you know it's just, a, it's just a part
1: of life right
2: <laughs> yeah just like life right uh,
1: yeah cool i appreciate you coming on but before we leave i like what if somebody out there in the audience wants to contact you or get a hold of you and learn this breath work or learn what you do or become a client how can they get a hold of you, Dr. Nicole?
2: I am on Instagram under Dr. Nicole, uh, Dr. Nicole Coyle, C O Y L E. I'm on Facebook as well, Nicole Lynn Coyle, L Y N N. Uh, and then I have a website called uh, Nam N A A M Yoga, Y O G A A Z zcom um, and it's the center that I run um, and that I own. And it's um, there's some videos on there with examples of breath work and more information about what it is. Um, like, you know, down to a science, like how we operate with the breath work and the sound vibration. And, and if they want to contact me, they can uh, DM me through Instagram or Facebook, or just drnicolecoyle at gmail.com. You can also just kind of reach out to me if you want some more information.
1: <laughs> awesome. Thank you for that. So last thing, what are your last final parting words or uh, parting thoughts for the audience today?
2: Oh, boy, Max. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. Remember at every moment that you were created for a purpose, that you were put here to add value, to be loved, to extend love, and to be a reflection of the creator of everything, and that you're worthy beyond your dreams. So that's all I have to say about that. (laughs)
1: That's awesome. I thank you again, Dr. Nicole, for coming on and being a guest. Another amazing interview with another amazing human being that I'm finally getting to know and and, and getting to talk to more. Um, Like you said, you can find her on Facebook and Instagram. Some of her posts will just like open your eyes and go, hmm, I needed that today. So check her out. Again, Dr. Nicole, thank you so much for coming on and doing the show today. What a blessing it was today. So thank you again for your wisdom. And um, hopefully audience, you learned something today because I know I did. Have a great day, everybody. And I will be talking to you soon.